Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey, I'm your host, Mark, and uh, joining me today, we got one of my friends, Josh. How's it going? It's going so good, man. How's life? Oh, it's going fantastic. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining me on the show. Uh, we actually got one of your stories today, and it is good. Oh, yeah. Uh, you read this to me a few years ago, so I vaguely recall some parts, but I do remember having a raging erection the whole time. So, <laughs> yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of in the same mood, just like reading it to you, like, oh, just mm, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I'm, I'm in front of this guy. He's so famous. I'm reading him a piece of work that he likes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's not go throwing that word around. <laughs> famous. <geez. laughs> I like lying to people, but not about that. Yeah, dude, lying, lying is just so much fun. Oh, <laughs> it's like it's like Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> cool. So this story that you have written is called the Stars of Eridus. 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 And yeah. uh, it's a long one. We got 22 pages here. So we're going to be reading uh, chapter one and chapter two today. And then you have to come back on tomorrow's episode to hear the final two chapters. Oh, I can't wait. Cool. So let's just uh, dive into it. Stars of Aridis. The year is M42001. The planet is Antiqua Tartarus, a shrine world held by the Imperium for what seemed like a millennia, a place of beauty, elegance, and memories. At least, for me, it was. My story began as any other woman on such a planet. I became of age and was told I was joining the Guard. As a tithing to the Imperium, it was expected an endless sea of bodies to throw at the great machine of war. Luckily, things have been very quiet on this planet. No invasion of giant insects, no, no 10,000-year-old agents of darkness coming to skin us alive will be screaming in vain, no skeleton robots stealing our souls of radioactive energies and magic. No, all is well on this planet. I met my husband, Morris, in the guard. We met in the base of training world where we were PAT platoon, PAP platoon, otherwise known as personnel awaiting training. We learned everything together. We got in trouble together. We were inseparable. We were perfect for each other. And in the end, we got married. We had three sons who eventually grew up and joined the guard as well. Joseph, Cain, and Noah. Joseph, 
a strong-willed, boneheaded warrior that knows no quit. Even as a child, he would work towards anything and everything he wanted. Whether it was getting a cookie from a jar or learning to read and write, he has always been focused and uncompromised. Growing up, he became the leader of the 817th Brigade, a commissar of high regard, skill, and leadership. The leader of his brothers and eventually even me. Proud would not be a strong enough word to express the emotion I would feel for my, for my son, Joseph. Kane, a gentle soul, nurturing and loving, eyes blue as the brightest body of water you could ever imagine, always having a way with animals. As a child, he could pacify the most aggressive and feral of dogs, growing learning how to train and produce canines for special shock troop units and even law enforcement units in our city. Angels gifted to this world by the emperor himself. Within 25 years of service and never having to fire our weapons in war once, we were blessed by the emperor himself. We heard stories of the great battles that took place. We heard of the fall of Cadia and the horrors that took place in that world. The billions that fell, the carnage, the loss, the defeat. Such stories and reality sent chills down our spines and made us grateful for everything we have here on this beautiful, peaceful world we call home. Noah, the one who got the brains of the three. Frustratingly stubborn and smart, going through the academy, he calculated the absolute bare minimum he needed to join the mandatory service, attending as little as needed and only completing the mandatory tests, physical or written. As much as a nightmare as he was for his commissar, he made up for it with the very thing that got him on thin ice with his command, his fetting brains. Brilliantly, Noah rewrote entire manuals and protocols on different tactics and warfare. Managing resources and even figuring out how to save infrastructure and lives while invading. A stubborn, brilliant genius, an asset to the Imperium, and my son. I have the best sons I could have ever wished for. What more could I ask for? Sergeant Avridis, I hear my commissar call. Sir, I reply. Gather your men, we are being deployed. Pack up enough food and water for a two-day mission. Yes, sir. A response that was expected from anyone under a commissar, lest they desire to eat a bolt from a bolt pistol, which even on antique Tartus never happened by the emperor. Life had, has been quiet. I've been deployed before. There's nothing that has ever happened that would shake a normal person's soul. This will likely be a simple guard duty or some parade being thrown by rich and the powerful. What could I possibly complain about? I am living a modern day Imperium dream. Beauty, peace, a perfect family, all serving their tithings in the guard. What more could I ask for? What is the mission, Commissar Ajax? How are we serving the Imperium today, if I may ask? I scoff, knowing another parade is right about around the corner. Maybe even for Governor Primus Marius Porleskia. Another celebration of his power and wealth. As would be expected from such a wealthy leader who loves himself almost more as he loves his wealth. Parades and celebrations are over. We are preparing to call martial law. Get your kit together and let's get moving now. Rally point, alley gone. 15 minutes. His face is an expression I've never seen on him before. A look of concern, uncertainty. I'm curious to what's happening. Why martial law? Why does he seem concerned? I write it off, possibly just another drill, nothing we haven't done before. Yes, sir, Commissar. I move through the barracks, calling for my squad to form up. 
As first sergeant, the combative unit is under my control. So my duty is to get them moving. Let's get moving. Now form up four columns, double time. Go, go, go. I check my chainsword and las pistol, hooked both of them on my belt and double time to the landing pads in the middle of the hab block. While we were moving, I see another squad to our right doing the same, double timing it to the landing pads led by Joseph. His face was the same expression as my commissar, serious, concerned, dare I say, worried. When we reach the landing pads, our officers are huddled around the table that emits a green glow. I am very curious to know what is happening. From a distance, I try to observe the images coming from the tables. Holographic images pop up and move on the table. Strange shapes, odd shapes, things that resemble what I would imagine to be a ship. Smooth, curvy, and long. Have I seen this type of ship before? I vaguely remember something about a race that used ship like this. Some strange blue men that we were told to hate. I never thought much of what I was told to hate. I, for t I prefer to make my own opinions on what to love and hate. Does that make me less of a guardsman, less of a loyalist, or more of a mother? I look around and see what must be hundreds of squads forming up, waiting to board a Valkyrie. The whirring of engines spinning up and waiting for flight because at this moment I realized this is no security detail, measly law enforcement cleanup job. It hits me. The ship from the table, a Xenos race known only as the Tau. Technologically brilliant, ferocious, and determined. We never went far to their motives. We never cared for motives. The Imperium only ever cares about eliminating the threat at hand. For the first time in my life, a sense of worry washes over me as I think of my sons, Cain, Joseph, Noah, they're all officers in their respective brigades, commissars, lieutenants, captains. They'll be the ones to lead the charge for their men. The table of officers disperses. Whatever information they have, they're passing on to the subordinates. My lieutenant marching towards me, his face steely, cold, emotionless. He stands up close and personal to me, looks, looks at me for a second and says, Sergeant, today you are leading your men into battle. A fleet of Xenos has entered high orbit and are preparing to land in a hab block 120 clicks to our east. You are to lead your squad to the heart of the block and find a suitable position to fortify. You will be joined by the 455th and the 75th Brigade. The Steel Legion will not be far behind. Is this mission a problem for you? I swallow my heart as it beats out of my chest. The adrenaline hits me and I feel faint, but I don't show it. No, sir. Point me to my Valkyrie, I say showing me the same emotion as he does. Without hesitation, he turns and marches with purpose through the seemingly endless field of landing pads and aircraft. Overhead, I see a group of Thunderhawks fly by. Astartes? They only deploy when there's a very real threat. What could these Xenos want with this planet? Are there things in this world I don't know about? Why us? Why here? Why now? I shake these thoughts off and remember my training. A sense of peace comes over me as I recall what I've learned. The skills I've developed, I've had years of training, and I know what I'm doing. You boys want to live to be older. You want to die for the emperor, I shouted. For the emperor, my men replied. To oblivion, for Cadia. My squad continues shouting as they storm up the landing pads to board the carriers. The ride in the Valkyrie is long and quiet. We're all focused, mentally, pre mentally preparing for whatever scenario we can think of. The deep red lights inside turn green our signal for 30 seconds before landing. I look up and around. My squad is ready. Their faces like mine, cold, steely. We're ready. 
As the doors open up, we pile out and run straight to the middle of the havelock. We're under a time crunch. We have to act quickly. We made, we made it to our rally point, the zone where, where we are to defend and hold, a place of strategic importance and easily fortified. We get to work. Civilians are rushing to find shelter underground. They look confused, scared. Even with the presence of the SEAL Legion and three brigades of guardsmen, they try to shake it all off by joking with each other. Basic camaraderie that we've developed over extensive training in such a long period of peace. Gunny, what are the odds we actually get a, a cake for Stanson's wife when we get back? One of my corporals sarcastic, sarcastically asks. Hey, corporal, ask about her again. I'll turn you into cake. Shut your mouth. Everyone laughs at such a weak comeback. A gunnery sergeant needs to work on his intellect. Square it away, boys. Let's get this work done. We got quite the fight coming our way, I say. Knowing what's coming won't be easy to deal with. I look up to all three of my sons in an officer's huddle. They're planning how to best approach the coming threat. A sense of peace I have knowing they're in charge grows. I keep working, moving barricades and steel panels. We're moving, we've removed from homes and warehouses within a matter of hours. We're done. We take a stiff posture and begin to endure the most challenging part of any battle. We wait for it to begin. Over the murmuring and clatter of last rifles being primed, I hear an officer chuckle at something. The request we surrender for the greater good, I hear him say. Compassion. Such weakness. We may lose a battle, but they will never win war. We hear over the Vox chat for the first wave is coming. We hear the explosions of the Ajax array batteries firing. We see explosions in the sky. We see a strange shaped craft. There must be hundreds flooding down from the sky. We hear them land. We hear creatures clopping towards the havelock. Like hooves? What are these things? Ready up, I hear Joseph shout. He draws his power sword and stands ready. Every soldier raises their weapons looking for the first target. I feel safe knowing he's leading the charge. For the emperor, he proclaims. For the emperor, we all respond. Hundreds of men in unison, enough to give chills. I hear a strange crack. And I see a guardsman's head explode in the front line, followed by streaks of red last fire mixed with blue explosions skipping all around us. Front line is cut down like a hot knife slicing through butter. The line moves up to replace them, but they are cut down even faster. I look to my left down an alley. I see Noah and his squad firing wildly, marching forward. My squad is up next to move. The last guardman in the front barricade is blown in half. We move up and look for targets. As quickly as it started, it stopped. We have no targets. What? I turn and look to Joseph. My steely, expressionless face turns to that of confusion. He observes the area in me with a look of anger. Stopping to look around, I realize what just happened. Three squads were cut down like it was nothing in the matter of one minute. What are these things? I think to myself. Joseph orders my squad and I to move up. Unsure of what we will find, we move slowly, cover to cover, tactically into a courtyard. Nothing. It's quiet. With my rifle at the ready, I keep my eyes peeled. I should have paid attention to those briefings, those briefings on the Tau Zenos, I hear my corporal say. Keep your eyes up. We don't know what we're doing. I'm cut off before I can finish. Another loud crack, spatter of blood hits my face as my corporal falls limp to the floor. I see silhouettes moving, more blue cannon fire. Active camouflage? Impossible. Move up. Leave none alive for the ep. Joseph is cut off. He bends forward. A silhouette lunges into him. An invisible object pierces his abdomen and he gags on his own blood. The silhouette uncloaks with the blue lightning. 
revealing the creature underneath. A humanoid with hooves, almost a half-demon, but strangely human. It pulls a blade out of Joseph and drops him to the ground. I let out a horrid scream and turn my rifle to this monster. My fire select is set to full auto. I squeeze the trigger, and at point-blank range, I blast the thing from the void. Its helmet melts from last fire. Its blood boils and from the heat, and it collapses. All around the courtyard, silhouettes uncloak, revealing more targets. There are so many of them. Strange floating drones fly around, shooting blue pulse energy. The carnage, the blood, the noise. It's overwhelming. It's all happening so fast. We're being shredded. I drop one, two, three targets and move back to the barricades. We're losing more than we're killing. We need help. We need armor. As I think this thought, from the roads to my right, I hear a rumble. A squad of cameras rumbles towards the targets and open fire, turning on new enemies into puffs of blue blood and organ fuel. We have a chance to push them back now. We stand and unleash everything we have. We cut them down with fixed bayonets. These things have firepower unmatched. We must get in close so we can counter them. We charge forward, firing wildly. No commands are issued. We are in tune. We know what must be done. Stabbing and slashing, we unleash our vengeance for our fallen brothers and sisters. My son's voice playing in my head as I thrust my bayonet into the helm of another Xenos. The drones fly away, and the remaining Xenos retreat back to the open field where they came from. A three-minute battle nearly leveled this half block and has claimed what I estimate to be over 100 guardsmen and my son. The fog of war lifts, and, it's, and it sinks in what just happened. Joseph. He lay there in the middle of the courtyard in a pool of blood. I rush over to him, screaming, begging for him to be okay. I roll him on his back. His face is pale. His eyes are black. It, it can't be. He's dead. I cry for a medic, but there aren't enough for everyone. The wounded scream and cry, gasping for air or convulsing in pain. All of this carnage for a three-minute battle. Son of a bitch, someone get me a medic. Commissar down. One of the medics looks over at me in the middle of stuffing the intestines of a wounded guardsman back into his body. He looks at Joseph, then at me. He looks back at continues going to work on his fighter. He knows what I wish would have been just a bad dream. My son is dead. My cries for help turns to sobbing. This morning I was eating breakfast in a shrine world, peaceful, happy. Now I cradle my dead son's body in a pool of his blood. A cry muted vowels and murmur through tears and a spit begging for this nightmare to be over. Nobody has the heart to guide me to other duties. Nobody commands me. They're showing compassion. Does that make them weak? We hear the stomping and rumbling of Astartes marching through the street towards the Xenos. They're running away. That's why they ran. That's why we are still alive. They know not to tangle with these superhumans. They buy us time to get our dead and wounded out of the zone and take the fight back to them. Tears stream down my face as I help Caddy wounded to the medical. I don't say a word and neither, neither does anyone else. After the triage is set and things are calmed down, I find myself a place to sit in the street alone to process what just happened. How could I have stopped this? How could I have saved my son? I am shell-shocked, mortified. What just happened? I see a pair of boots walk up to me as I hang my head. I look up. It's Noah. You bastard. I say as I start crying again. He gives a soft chuckle. Sorry, mom. Tears make you tough, remember? I laugh while crying. He sticks nets to me and puts his arm around me. 
He doesn't say a word. There's nothing to say. We just got our asses handed to us. And I just lost my oldest son. I managed to calm down enough to look at Noah, only to see his face pale and sickly, his eyes puffy and red from crying. I'm sorry, Noah. I couldn't save him. It all happened so fast. I know, he replied. I couldn't save him either. You weren't in my zone. Of course you couldn't save Noah. He looked at me, his face dropped. He didn't say a word. It takes me a few seconds to realize, but he wasn't talking about Joseph. He was talking about Cain. No, tell me it isn't true, I asked. His eyes dropped. I am beyond tears now. How, I asked. Miscommunication with the commissar, he responded. His face turns into a subtle rage. How, who, I demand. He says in a guttural angle, anger, Commissar Sorin. The power-hungry, overeager, wishing to prove himself commissar, got trigger-happy and executed my son, Cain. Murdered him in the middle of a battle in cold blood. Why him? Why my sons? Why me? I feel sick to the gut. I stand up and briskly walk over to my lieutenant. Hey! I demand. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. He slowly turns to me, a look of confusion and perplexity. Where's Commissar Sorin? I stare of stupidity link. A stare of stupidity lingers for a moment. Excuse me, Sergeant, he replies. Where the fuck is Commissar Sowen? I raise my voice, my rage is boiling, borderline uncontrollable. I feel a pair of hands grab my flak jacket from behind, pulling me back. The lieutenant's face goes from puzzled to angered. Who are you to raise your voice to me, Sergeant? He asks. A mother that just lost two of her sons. One was killed by your damn Commissar, I explained feeling the hands gripping my vest tighter. Look around you, Sergeant. We've all lost a lot today. Brothers, sisters, daughters, sons. We're being invaded by Xenos race. We don't have time for this nonsense. Square yourself away, or I'll get a new commissar to sort you out. We're moving in one hour. Rally point Proteus. I'm shocked. What is happening? A week of bloody conflict later, we managed to wipe out our invaders. Our casualties are high. Mortality rate is set to 87% in the official reports. An acceptable loss for the victory of the Imperium. I lost two sons and got no comfort. comfort. No remembrance for them. Just wisps of the air in a battle, forgotten, murdered in cold blood. Commissar Soren was awarded a medal for his bravery in battle. A medal stained with the blood of Cain. I didn't attend the ceremony to which I was court-martialed for. My rank of sergeant was stripped. I was demoted to private for insubordination. Noah was later sent to chase down and exterminate these Xenos, tactically unsound and mortally wise, absolute suicide. I learned days after departing, Noah was one of the first killed in the following battle. But for the honor of the Imperium, we were sending more meat to the grinder. All inside of two weeks, I have lost everything, my sons, my career, and dare I say, my faith.
The Imperium murdered my son, left another for dead, and sent my last living son to the meat grinder. What kind of god would send his sons to the death like he has mine? Chapter 2. I fell into a deep sadness. I cried for months. Over time, my sadness grew to anger. It grew to hate. It grew to vengeance. Venomous thoughts spilled into my mind, and I gave in. I always heard the veterans talking about the endless machine of war, claiming lives, families, friends. I always wrote them off as jaded and scarred from the endless war. Now, now I understand them. Now I pity them. I've done raids in hab blocks before where we arrest or kill cultists. Groups of traitors or defectors that want not only our world, but the whole of the Imperium to burn as well. I understand them now. Unceremonious deaths of my son have revealed true colors of the Imperium to me. And thoughts of this world burning are bringing me a focus, a peace I have not felt in months. I need to watch myself, for I know that one wrong move, one wrong word, I'll have a commissar confronting me with his sidearm, or the Inquisition asking questions I don't need asked. I brush myself off and clean up. I report back to duty and get back to my daily routine. I keep a subtle eye open for any briefings or any cult or defectors that may be around that I can communicate with. Though my previous rank of sergeant, I'm very limited with what I can see and find. So any extra digging must be in secret. The barracks is surprisingly empty. Losing nearly all of our garrison to the Xenos has, has given me a little room to breathe. I hear over Voxcast a request for reinforcements and replenishment of resources. If I am to act, it must be now. It will not be clear for long. Think of a plan. During guard shift, I was slipping into a Vox relay station and take advantage of an open communications relay. I remember hearing stories of a traitor legion, a brutal, savage, murderous group of sadists and opportunists known as the Night Lords. Their name alone sends fear into the people all around the Imperium. We know them because we've lost to them before on other worlds. I'm not afraid of them. As long as I get to see these commissars, these leaders and governors burn, that is all I want. I will die peacefully knowing that they will get what's coming for them. I wait for the shift change. I still remember the schedule. It never changes. One of the weak points of living on a planet that hasn't seen conflict for 300 years is a level of complacency that will be their downfall. Marching through the empty barracks, I see platoons of children, not much older than 12, already beginning their training for the academy. I think to myself about my sons, the fate they faced, the future they lost. I can't help but pity these children for the inevitable doom that awaits them. No matter what happens here, walking into the station, it is empty. No guards, nobody manning the station. We really are ripe for the taking. This will be too easy. I will have to act fast. After I open the channel, I will have minutes to escape. I'll have to find an underground complex to hide out in while I bide my time. I sit down and go through the process of opening up a channel. Within a minute, I'm broadcasting. This is Aridus Eludike of the 817th Cadian Shock Troop Regiment. We have recently been attacked by the Xenos race known as the Tau. Our defenses are devastated and weakened. We are ripe for the taking. I denounce my loyalty to the throne and invite any and all legions of traitors, cultists, and Xenos. Come take this world. It is what the Imperium deserves. I jam the station programming so it plays on repeat until a tech priest shows up to correct it. As soon as I am done, red alarm lights come on and I hear distant shouting. 
followed by blaring screams from the security systems. I bolt out of the door in a full sprint. I hear distant shouting from fearful, weary, and broken guardsmen. I reach outside and do not stop. I head down alleyways, back streets, cutting corners and bursting through doors. I'm in the slums now, where the manufactorum workers all live. What a sight I must be. A lone guardsman in full kit sprinting through the slums. I find what I'm looking for, an elevator to the underhive. I rush in and slam the freight doors shut and hit the button for the deepest, lowest point. My heart is pounding. There's no going back now. I am in this. It's happening whether I like it or not. I hear my message still crackling over the box. Slowly fades out as I descend deeper and deeper into the underbelly of the hive. I take off my helmet and drop it to the ground. I take off the pendant over my breast, Imperial Eagle. I spin on it and I drop it through the grate down the elevator shaft, never to be seen again. This is happening. I hope the Imperium burns. The doors open up to a mess and smell of what you'd imagine, the scum of the world, chained to machines, rails and walls, slaves to the Imperium. They all stop and look at me. I look at them and I raise my LAS rifle and fire into the electrical box that powered the elevator so no one can follow me down. I slowly walk into the manufactorum, eyeballing every worker there. They look miserable, hungry, hurting, like I am. A tech priest walks around from one of the great machines and approaches me. Guardsmen, to what do I owe the pleasure? Is this a problem that requires my assistance? He asks. Perhaps there is. I am looking to recruit for emergency defenses. I require all these workers to be unchained and armed for war. We're about to be invaded, I reply. Of course, I will need a copy of the order and documentation from the governor to release these prisoners. He says, give me a strange look as he scans me. I scan him as he is me and spot a set of large skeleton keys chained to his waist next to his sidearm. Our eyes meet and it all clicks for him. He sees I am not wearing the Imperial Eagle. He sees the venomous thoughts spilling from my eyes. His face goes white as he reaches for his sidearm. I am faster and drop to one knee, raising my LAS rifle as I fire a single shot perfectly placed right between his eyes. He drops limp as a child stall would. The only sound now is the whirling of engines and spilling of molten metals. After a second of awkward silence, I hear one of the workers Slow clap. What a shot. Not bad for a woman. I look around to see the slaves looking, relieved. I walk up to the dead priest and grab his keys. I toss them to one of the workers and say, shock troops are looking for me. They'll be here soon. Be free if you wish or wait for them. The one with the keys asked me if he can fight with me as he unchained himself, shackles clanking to the floor. I ask, what do you have to offer me? How do I know you won't just stab me in the back? He replies, you don't. A cold expressionless face stares down, stares me down. He tosses the keys to another worker and unchains himself. Something familiar yet unsettling about him is pulling at my nerves. Have I met this man before? You're all gonna wanna get off this world as soon as possible. Darkness will fall on this planet in a few weeks and you're not gonna wanna be here. Catching myself, I stop and think, why would I care if these slaves were here at the burning and siege of this world? 
who cares about these creatures, these scummy beings? I am being unnecessarily cold, rash, untactical. If I want to survive long enough to see the coming of the Night Lords and the burning of this world, I'm going to need help. I look at the first man's eyes. We stare at each other for a minute, unblinking, a standoff, flexing our steel, standing our ground. What good are you in a fight, I ask. I'm not, he replies. He is short and doesn't want to waste any time on idlery. Perhaps you could show us a thing or two. I pause and think. There has to be 80, maybe 90 people down here in this exact part of the manufactorum. I'm sure they hate the Imperium as much as the next person, never seeing the light of day, chained to the scalding hot machines and forced to work until they die. What better way to get out of this than to fight? Perhaps I could, I responded. Which way is out? The corner of his mouth cracks into a smile as he begins casually and calmly walk past me. The rest now follow unchained, slaves follow suit. I turn and follow. I think I just found my fighting force. A small number, but tactically, we can make this work. I know the endless numbers of guards, steel legion, Astartes, and battle barges are coming for me. They don't know where I am. They don't know I have following now. I can use this to my advantage. Instead of waiting around, I could bring the fight home early. Perhaps I could prove to the 18th Legion that I am valuable. We'll need weapons, food, rations. We'll need a place to hide for the time being. I inform him, my years of training, my experience, my knowledge. We can do this. I know where weapons are, he says. I never took notice, but this man is a giant. He beams with confidence. He's a powerful being. He doesn't seem like the kind of person you could be held down by chains and shackles. So what kept him here? Show me. That will be our first stop before we find a place to settle, I ordered. He doesn't respond. He leads us through the labyrinths of tunnels and bulkheads. That is the end of the hive. He must have been down here a very long time if he knows this place so well. What would a mountain of a man like this be doing chained up in a manufactorum? I turn around to check on the rest of the workers following. They aren't worn down like you'd expect a group of workers to be. They're covered in grime, suit, and filth mixed with sweat, except for the one leading us out of this maze. We come to a row of barracks rooms, an old structure from the beginning of the hive thousands of years ago, forgotten and abandoned. He walks up to the door and opens it like one would be coming home. Do the tech priests know of this place? I ask. He doesn't respond. What is your name? Trying to get a giant to speak. Trying to open a channel of communication so we can be effective and tactical. He doesn't look at me, but responds with one word. Aterios. I read us, I respond. He continues moving forward towards a pile of crates. He opens one, revealing a box full of auto rifles and ammunition. He looks at me as if waiting for approval. Where did you get these? I ask. One of the workers from behind me speaks up. When you are chained to a machine and only allowed to leave for sleep and food, you learn how to be efficient with your time and efforts, he says. I put my last rifle down and look at the box. I pull out an auto pistol and load it, load it. I turn and look at the workers and ask, who knows how to handle one of these? To my surprise, they all raise their hands. What brought you all down here? Who are all of you? I ask Artaros, scoffing softly to myself. The same worker piped up. 
what do you think the governor does to law enforcement and guard that he doesn't like to this political to his political opponents or criminals that cause one too many problems or cultists why waste him in executions when he can have us work and make a profit i've never given any thought to any of that i'm not surprised though the imperium is cold unforgiving and heartless thing wearing people down, stealing their will to carry on and even live. I'm starting to get a feeling that the fight I want to bring is going to be encouraged by this group of outcasts, broken souls and the damned. Who wants the Imperium to burn? I ask as I remove my Imperial armor and drop it to the floor. Arterios gives a full smile. The workers look at each other, all smiling, filing in to grab a weapon. I think I found my army. Let me warn you all, what is coming here will claim this world, maybe even us. It will be the most horrendous thing you will have ever witnessed. I send out a Vox Relay a few hours ago to summon an evil legion of heretic Astartes. I hear giggles from the back. The iron skulls are slow. They'll be cut down before they kill anyone. The most they'll do is give us obliterator virus and you'll be dead before you even show it. Who... Could you reach that would come to your aid, guardsmen? The night lords, I say. Vittorio snaps his head towards me. Silence overtakes the abandoned barracks. I feel a sense of panics overtake everyone. Disbelief. A feeling of doom. Are you insane? Another worker proclaims. Maybe I am, I say with pride. We're supposed to be fighting other guardsmen, taking down Steel Legion. How are we supposed to survive the night lords? Another worker asks, are you aware of what the Night Lords are? Haven't you heard the rumors of the 18th Legion and their horrors? You've doomed us all. The panic sets in. Some run into the darkness of the tunnels. Some fall to their knees shaking from fear and the rest seem unchanged. The Imperium has taken everything from me. They took my sons. They sent my husband to the watchtower in some distant system, never to be heard from again. Then they took my rank, then my faith. Even still, they demand and take, pillage and destroy. What else could I possibly lose? What could be worse than taking the fight to the Imperium? I want this world to burn. I want to hear the governor Primus Marius Polarask burn alive. I want Commissar Soren hung on a cross. I want him to suffer more than I have. I have the tactics, I have the knowledge of the workings on this planet. And more than all of that, I have a hatred that fuels a fight. I need men to help me bring this fight to the Hive City before the Night Lords come. I want them to see that I'm giving them this world willingly, eagerly. I want them to help me bring the Imperium to its knees. So we're a cult now, Artorius asks. I've arrested many different cults. I've killed even more. I've never imagined myself to be called a cultist of all things. So we are, I respond. Time to move then, he says, moving through the remaining workers. I mean, cultists now. We follow him, trusting he'll lead us to daylight. There's no concern of running into any Imperial force down here. We are the only ones that have been down here in a very, very long time. Not even the maintenance crews have been here. We're safe for now. Wow. Okay, so that was the end of chapter two. Holy fuck, Josh. I forgot how yeah. good that was. Yeah, holy, I forgot too. That went zero to 100 really fast. Man, like I've known you for like a long time and like personally and like 
I'm blown away. I, I never would have expected that you're like an amazing writer. <laughs> that was honestly, man, this is the first story I've ever written. I've just kind of like, well, like when I wrote it, I was just kind of winging it. Crazy, man. Like you make the main character so sympathetic and like you're setting it up so nicely. And man, I almost teared up a couple times. Not really because I'm a badass, but fuck. So I actually wrote this story after like people in my life and like some of them like at the time when I was writing the story they were going through like very hard times so I was like hey you know what like I should just make this into a story just to like make it a little bit lighter but ended up making a really fucking gruesome dark story instead (laughs) (laughs) yeah um it's it's very cool I I don't even know what I just want to read the second half you know um fuck crazy so did, did when you started writing did you know where this was going or it kind of just yeah you're writing i i kind of like started off with uh like the first battle with the towel because yeah. i know like you ran the the towel army for a long time yeah so i was like i gotta throw that in there somewhere so i wanted her to like fight the towel and i wanted something horrible to happen and then i kind of had a little bit of writer's block for a bit and like how is this gonna end how is this gonna progress but then like i started like listening to some cold open stories and really kind of got some ideas from that and decided man you know what i know exactly where this is gonna end (laughs) i am actually super happy with the ending i really cannot wait to like get the ending on this show because i think it ends so perfectly yeah man it i'm really enjoying it i think uh, i think we should just end this episode and just leave it and have people wanting more um so if you want to hear the second part of this fucking amazing story you're gonna have to come back tomorrow and uh yeah we'll continue reading tight Thanks uh, so much for sharing, and see you all tomorrow. Have a good day, guys. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.